Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or that you'd like to talk about. We would love to talk with you and pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions. Maybe there's some things you've been reading in the Bible that you're not sure about, that you're looking for clarity on. We'd love to talk with you and hopefully bring clarity in those areas. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, as well as those who are listening on Hope FM in the East Coast over in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. And also for those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and up into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, we're so glad that you tuned in today, and we're glad to have you uh, being part of this growing Calvary Live family of stations and networks that are tuning in and being part of this show. It's cool to see what God has done with it, and we hope it's a blessing to you. We just want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind, but we would love for you to call in, and then you'll get the unique opportunity of getting to tune in the following week and hear yourself on the radio. But for those of you in uh, listening on Grace FM in Colorado and up into southern Wyoming, you're hearing the show live. And we also want to give a big greeting to everyone who listens online. We know there is an increasing number of you. I see the stats every week. Looks like I just got the stats. We have quite a few tuning in today. So, hey, if you're tuning in online, we are so glad that you're with us. For those of you who didn't know that you could do that or you haven't taken advantage of that opportunity yet, we'd love if you would do that. Go get our mobile app, which will work on your phone and on your tablet. And you can do that by just going to the App Store for your device, uh, Google Play or the App Store for Apple, and you can just go in there and type in Grace FM as one word. And that'll come right up, and you can put it on your device, and you can listen for free anywhere in the world. And we actually have quite a lot of people listening internationally right now. Um, looking at the map right now, it's pretty cool, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But I just want to remind you, you can also just go in your browser. So if you've got your browser open, either on your mobile device or on like a laptop or desktop, you can just go in there and go to gracefm.com and you can push the button to listen now and you can listen live wherever you are, anywhere in the world for free online at any time. So I'm looking at the map right now <coughs> of where we have listeners and this is cool. Usually we have a lot of listeners in the U.S. We obviously have a regular listener in Washington State, whoever you are. So glad to see you tuning in every time. A lot in Colorado and in the Midwest, Chicago area, and out on the East Coast. 
Um, but today we also have some listeners in Morocco, in Uganda, in Saudi Arabia, and in South Africa. We regularly have some listeners down in South Africa, but I'm excited about this one from Saudi Arabia. I know this person has texted in before, and a person in Morocco and Uganda. So, you know, Morocco and Saudi Arabia being countries, uh, particularly Saudi Arabia, where um, the Christian presence is really, um, is really small. And so we are glad that we are able to minister to you over the airwaves and just a cool ministry. So uh, those of you who support this ministry financially, just know that um, God is using it. And we're so glad that you are tuning in today and listening and so glad that so many people make this possible. So this is a show again where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. Just a few words about myself. I am Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and we would love for you to come and worship with us. If you are in the Longmont area, or if you're in any of the surrounding communities. We would be happy to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our church meets in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And um, yeah, so 700 Longs Peak Avenue is our address. It's the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is really a prominent building here in downtown Longmont. It's where all the parades take off from and where a lot of things happen throughout the year. It's kind of a community hub there for our city. It's a well-known building and our church meets there. It's just to the south of the downtown park and ride and it's just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. So where we meet, we meet just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So 700 Longs Peak Avenue is the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Streets right there. We're on the northwest corner in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We'd love it if you'd come worship with us or if you're not in Longmont or in some of the surrounding communities that are in driving distance. We'd love it if you'd send the people you know in this area over to us. God's doing a good thing at our church and we'd love for you to be a part of it or for your friends to be part of it or family. You can check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com and on there that's just a resource you can use you know we've got uh, all of our teaching archives on there through many books of the Bible that we've taught through over the years here at Whitefields and uh, we hope that that resource is a blessing for you you can also find directions to our church services on Sunday mornings and you can find out more about our staff and some events that are taking place as well you can also hear me every weekday at 2:30 p.m. We have a show that airs here on Grace FM called Life in the Field, which is an allusion to how we live our lives on God's mission field. And you can also hear us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you are not able to make it out to church, but you are maybe in your car or near a radio, tune into Grace FM and you'll be able to hear our messages there Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. as well. So let's go to our first caller, Sharon in Annapolis, Maryland. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. I was, um, I was wondering where the Bible stands on when, uh, what, what the Bible says about... Uh, I, kn- I know that, you know, uh, 
the Bible states you're not supposed to, you know, you don't worship idols, you don't worship planets and stars and moons and things like that. However, um, as far as the full moon, it's supposedly well known by police departments, emergency uh, facilities, hospitals, uh, that people act very differently during a full moon. There's a high, high incidence of it. Medical field knows that, uh, paramedics know that, fire departments, you name it. There's more of that at a full moon time. If you believe that, and I do, uh, because I know a lot of people who have worked in certain facilities like that, and they see it all the time. They've done research on it, and they know that that's true. For that whatever the reason, during a full moon, uh, that people seem to um, just react differently. Now, to say that I uh, believe in that, which I do, because, you know, I've, I've seen it for you know, so, so long. Okay. But um, that's not worshiping anything. That's not fortune-telling. That's not telling the future. That's sure. just a part of the natural wor- world for whatever the reason um, right. that's coming from the universe has some sort of an effect on the human brain, just like the moon has always had an effect on the tides of the ocean, which is well-known and well-accepted by everyone. Also, the Farmer's Almanac, yeah. colonial days, I mean, that's what they used to plant the crops, and they went by full moons and the phases of the moon. The moon has a lot to do with something, but I view it as something in the natural world that has some sort of emissions from it that cause these things, whether we have been able to research them well enough to know exactly why we don't exactly know why but research sure. knows that it does happen so all right so sharon i'm just going to jump in here and um i'll just tell you this you know i can only speak to it from a biblical perspective and as to what the bible has to say about it so the bible doesn't really say much about full moons but it does talk about the new moons and i'll give you a couple of things that, that are interesting in regard to the new moon now the new moon by the way is kind of the opposite of the full moon the new moon is when the moon is empty, so to say, right? And so, in other words, when the earth is, is almost blocking the moon. And so, what the Bible has to say about that is really interesting. The Hebrew calendar is lunar-based, as opposed to, like, our calendar that we use today in most of the world, which is solar-based. But the Hebrew calendar is lunar-based, which is also an explanation for some people always ask, you know, hey, why does the date of Easter change every year? Well, because we base our... Uh, date of Easter off of the Jewish calendar, which is lunar-based. Okay, so the Hebrew calendar is lunar-based, and actually the word for Hebrew, uh, month, right, the word, the Hebrew word for month, which is hodesh, it literally means a new moon. So again, that's the time when the moon is empty. And that's also interesting, just thinking through the Jewish mindset and how they think that Jewish people count the beginning of something from the end of it, if you know what I'm saying. So, so like, for example, they count the beginning of a month, not at the high point, which would be like the full moon, if you're looking at a lunar calendar, but from the low point. They also count days in that way. So they'll count a day from uh, the evening, as they say, that's the beginning of the day. At sunset is the beginning of the new day, where we tend to think of the beginning of the new day as taking place at sunrise in the Western mindset. It's just an, also another reminder that uh, 
the Bible is not a Western construct. Uh, it's an Eastern thing. And so many of the things that we think need to be adjusted based on that realization. So here's, here's another thing. Uh, you know, the Bible actually had what were called new moon offerings or new moon yeah, sacrifices. So there were burnt offerings that were supposed to be done at the at every new moon. And again, that reminds us because the new moon was the beginning of a new month. But what's interesting, too, is that when we get to the New Testament, it starts to talk about how um, there were these new moon festivals and how uh, I like what Paul says in Colossians about this. And he says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So when he talks about new moons there, what he's referring to are these new moon sacrifices or offerings that were done as part of the schedule or calendar of the Jewish sacrificial system. And um, and he's saying, you know, we are not, our standing before God is not based on our keeping of those things anymore. Rather, our standing before God is found in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. So that's a really interesting thing. Now, as, as regards how do, how do moon cycles affect people physiologically, I think that the Bible doesn't talk about that per se but i would say it's not um excluded you know as you mentioned um the moon affects the tides it affects many things and so i think that's one of those areas where what the bible deals with are important spiritual things it is not uh it is not expressly a science book now where it touches on issues of science it's always correct but on the other hand its primary purpose is not to be a science um, handbook or, or textbook. So I hope that helps. Um, but again, yeah, that's what the Bible has to say about moons. I hope that clears it up. What's interesting is that it says also that in heaven, uh, the new heavens, the new earth in Revelation chapter 21, it says that in the city, the new Jerusalem, there will be no sun or no moon because the Lord will be its light, its illumination. So that's awesome. And I look forward to that time. Okay, I was just wondering. Thank you, Sharon, that, for calling uh, in. How that uh, the well the the question still would be though, it wouldn't be sinful to um, to look to the moon for not look to the moon. I'm putting that the wrong way uh, because you know um, it wouldn't be uh, to to say well this is a better time to do this or that because the moon is a certain way. Uh, it wouldn't, you know, if you're going to plant so, a crop, if you're going to this out of the other. No, I mean, that's just basic science, right? Like understanding that the moon affects um, tides and um, planting seasons. I don't think there's anything sinful about that. I mean, you, that's just physical science. So like I said, the Bible is not saying that that's, um, if that's how the world works and studying the world is a good thing. In fact, one of the ways that we can honor God is by studying his creation because his word says that his creation speaks of him and reveals things about him. So um, I'm going to let you go, Sharon, but thank you for that call, and God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got all open lines now, and it would be a great time to call in. So give us a call with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. Here's the number to call. 
303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. While we're waiting for more calls to come in, let's go to our text line. We have a person who texted in asking this question. Hey, Nick, I've been wondering about Judas betraying Jesus. Do you believe Judas went to hell for that? And if so, was Judas always destined for hell? Does God ever create someone destined for hell? A lot of big questions here. Definitely um, a lot of, lot of uh, thoughtful questions here. I'll answer your question. Did Judas go to hell? I believe that he did, um, but I don't think that he, let's put it this way. I think that if Judas would have repented of what he did, that I think there would have there would have been mercy and grace for him. And Judas went to hell not because of his betrayal of Jesus, but because he did not cast himself upon God's mercy and seek repentance and restoration. It's a really interesting study to continue uh, to look at Judas versus Peter. Because if you think about them, they both denied Jesus in different ways. I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus by handing him over, but Peter betrayed Jesus in another way in that he denied that he even knew him. He denied that he was a disciple. He forsook Jesus. And yet Peter is restored. We see that Peter is, he almost doesn't even pursue Jesus as much as Jesus pursues him to restore him. But Peter at least gave an opportunity for uh, restoration and forgiveness. See, what, what happened there with that is that we know that Judas committed suicide. It says that he hanged himself from a tree and then the tree branch broke and, you know, his body um, actually cracked open. I mean, it's quite graphic what it describes there in the Bible. But Judas, you know, he's also called the son of perdition. So what that means is that God knew that Judas would do this. God also knew that Judas would not repent and seek restoration with Jesus or with God for being, um, you know, for betraying Jesus. But does that mean that Judas had no choice in that matter? Well, that gets into a whole different uh, issue. Uh, do I believe that God ever creates someone destined for hell? Uh, I believe that God has foreknowledge. He knows the people who will not um, receive grace and mercy and, and salvation, those people who will stubbornly persist in their own uh, sense of saying, I don't need a savior, or maybe they'll even believe the lie that they're beyond redemption. I wonder if that's the case with Judas, that he believed that he was beyond redemption in some way, and he ends up committing suicide in his sadness. Uh, and then, of course, we know that he is the son of perdition. God knew that he would not return. It, it really is an interesting thing. There's a there is a um, great parallel here to look at Judas and Peter because, right, they both betray or both deny Jesus, and yet uh, Peter doesn't go and, and commit suicide. Peter probably felt like, wow, I don't know if Jesus could ever forgive me, but he gave there to be an opportunity where he, he could meet Jesus again, and when he did, he received the forgiveness and restoration Jesus was offering. So I think that should be a major lesson for us. You know, that even a person like Peter was not beyond 
redemption, not beyond restoration. And I'm, I would tell any of you out there listening who feel like you've done something really wrong. Maybe you walked with God at one time and then you did something and you're wondering, could God ever forgive me for that thing? Or maybe you've continually done something and you've asked God to forgive you and it's been that thing where you keep asking God to forgive you for the same thing and you wonder, well, I don't know if there's, you know, how many times is he going to keep forgiving me for the same thing? At one point, isn't he just going to say, okay, that's enough. I've forgiven you plenty of times. Now I'm fed up with you. And so I, I would just encourage you to look at Peter and look at Judas and really to be Peter and not Judas, to not in your despair give up on life and uh, and say, oh, I'm beyond redemption, but to be like Peter and, and let Jesus come to you, forgive you and restore you and go through that process with him because he has abundant grace for you. I want you to know that uh, if you're a listener. So thank you for that uh, thoughtful text question about Judas, and God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air, let's go to our next caller, Nick in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. What's up? I just got a prayer request. Um, Last week I got some news from one of my Marine brothers who uh, um, him and his wife are trying to have their second kid. They lost their first one to a, uh, a died in before childbirth. And then uh, now their their second kid, their heart, uh, the baby's heart rate is down. Uh, the good news is we, uh, last week I heard it and now the heart rate's going up a little bit, but I just want continuous prayer. And if anybody's listening, if you can just lift this guy up in prayer, he's, I, I can only imagine losing a baby and I know it's got to be hard. Yeah. Let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, we pray for Nick's friend and his wife, Lord, as they're expecting this baby and just they're they're so excited about this new life that you're blessing them with and bringing into their lives. But Lord, also the, the fear that goes with it and especially the pain of having lost the first baby. Lord, we pray that you would be with them. We pray that you would comfort them, Lord, that they would also just have trust that no matter what happens, Lord, that you are there with them and that they have a hope that is glorious in you. But beyond that, Lord, we also do ask that you would take care of this baby. We ask that this baby's heart rate would go up, that the baby would be healthy, and Lord, that you would protect this child and bring this child uh, into uh, this world, Lord, in just a healthy way. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I appreciate it. Absolutely. God bless you. Thanks for calling. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Hey, speaking of Nick's call here about his friends, you know, one of the producers here on the show, we prayed for him recently, and um, I just got an email from him. We were praying for his twins. They were born several weeks ago, and they've been in the hospital, and we prayed for them a couple shows ago, and uh, I just wanted to give you an update. I got an email from him last night with some pictures. They're doing really well, and just wanted to tell you they, they've come home, and they're doing well, so praise the Lord for that. He's here in our prayers with that family and taking care of them. Let's go to our next caller, Dan in Frederick, Colorado. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm really kind of hurt right now because um, I've been going to a, a 12-step program and um, I'm beginning to start having a really tough time 
even saying that I'm an alcoholic or an addict because I am a new creation in Christ. And it just breaks my heart sometimes when I share my testimony in the rooms and I talk about my higher power, who is Jesus Christ. And I get a lot of flack from that. Sometimes people leave the rooms. And it just hurts because I believe God had, has taken my mess and made it into a message for um, other people that are afflicted. Yeah. And I'm not sure what to do. Okay. If I should stop going or... Yeah, I mean, is is this the main reason you would stop going? You feel like people don't like hearing you talk about Jesus as your higher power? So just for context, for anybody who's listening, a lot of the 12-step programs out there encourage you to reference a higher power, to believe in a higher power, but they don't necessarily uh, insist that it be any particular higher power, right? Like they don't, pers- it, you know, that it be Jesus or that it be the God right. of the Bible. Okay, and so you're feeling that people are, you know, not receptive to you talking about Jesus? Yeah. Uh, Is that acceptable in that group to talk about Jesus as your higher power? I mean, is it it according to the rules? There's no rule because in their textbook it says you can choose a higher power of your... um, version of a higher power you can choose and you know it's you know i i you know i thank god that you know god inspired the co-founders of this program Mm -hmm. i believe it was divinely inspired but it just got lost over the years because they did start out reading the bible yeah and you know, it, it, it's just like religion, all these different religions. It, it's man-made, you know, and it messes people up from the true knowledge Yeah, so he, here's what I would tell you, is that if you really feel like um, you can't continue in this group, personally, I think that there's, there's a lot of benefit to these groups. I know that a lot of people have experienced yep. success in them, and I'm glad yep. for that. I think that God can use them even if they are, you know, imperfect or not perfectly Christ-centered. But, you know, right. there are, are other groups. If you'd prefer one that is really centered on the gospel, then I would encourage yep. you to check out one of those. There's a group called the Most right. Excellent Way. And yes, they I'm meet... very familiar with that. Okay, yeah, so I think they have a meeting in Brighton, if I'm correct, and they also have a mm-hmm. meeting at Calvary Aurora. So it sounds like you're closer to Brighton, so that might be one to check out. I think it's at Calvary Brighton. And yeah. you might, uh, it's 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and Fridays, I see right now. Oh, sorry, that's the one in Aurora. Aurora is 7 p.m. Tuesdays and Fridays at Calvary Aurora. It's called Most Excellent Way. So whether for you or anyone else listening in, that's a great way that you can go as a gospel-centered recovery program. They're, they also have a meeting in Brighton, at Calvary Brighton. And then there are Celebrate Recovery Groups, 
I know all over the state of Colorado and I'm sure other places right. as well. And so I would encourage you, maybe that's a better fit for you. So go check guess, out one of those. I guess where I'm torn with their pastor, Nick is that, you know, there are other believers that, that go to these meetings and, you know, we, we do help lift each mm. other up and, okay. And that's the part that I, yeah, I get it. So I actually have to let you go in just a second because we're going to our break. But let me just tell you this in closing. I would say, hey, if you're going to stick with this group, I think that would be fine. Your 12-step program, it's not particularly gospel-centered. And just use it as an opportunity for you. You know, people gave Jesus a hard time. They gave the early followers of Jesus a hard time. And people around the world a hard time to follow Jesus. Just be bold in it. Ask God to give you boldness and confidence and to use you. I gotta let you go. God bless you. Hey, we're gonna be right back after two minutes for our break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or discuss, or if you need prayer for something, we would love to pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0800. Nine seven. Once again, the text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to our next caller, Josh in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. My question. My question is: I have a coworker who goes to church regularly and is a giving, kind person that believes in Jesus, but. They also believe other things, like um, crystals might fix their computer or help them concentrate, that deceased loved ones do things around their home that communicate with them. And I kind of, like, I see it, and I'm kind of like, hmm, um, yeah, I... I I don't really think so, but I don't really want to. I don't want to be rude because I realize that person's opening up to me. It's also a little weird because the person's old enough to be like my mom, so mm-hmm. I also don't want to come across as I don't know being some kind of snotty way to an older person that we should be respectful of. Sure. What What, what do you advise whenever somebody believes these things? I mean, I. It doesn't seem to be like not like a prophet of God or an angel of the Lord coming and appearing before them. It's like um, they uh, flower bed came to life and they went to seek the advice of a median and a median told them that it was their loved one that did it. Oh, okay. Um, well, seeking the advice of mediums is actually directly addressed in the Bible. So there's a, there's a couple things. I think it's a really good question that you're asking because I think there can be this uh, tendency among us we want to give people 
room to grow and grace to grow, but they also need truth to grow. So I, I've often thought about it this way. You know, think about a fire. Like you want to kindle a fire, a passion for God. Well, what does a fire need to grow? Well, on the one hand, it needs fuel. But on the other hand, it needs air or it needs room, you might say. So we, don't, we can smother a fire by not giving it room to burn. But you can also smother a fire by not giving it fuel to burn. Right. And so what we want to do, and we also don't want strange fire, you might say, right, like we see in uh, in in the Bible where they offered this strange fire and God was upset. So how do we do that? Well, the fuel for the fire, right, this is going to be doctrine. This is going to be content that that pushes them towards the truth and it gives them the truth, you know, to believe and to worship. And so we want to give them the truth and we also want to give them some room to grow. And I think it's important that we give people that room. So as Christians, we don't want to just be, you know, immediately coming in and um, correcting, you know, being the, the correction people, right? Who say, hey, you're wrong about this and you're wrong about that. And uh, this is also wrong. Okay, there's a time for that. But I would say what we want to do, if this person's part of the family of God, is to have that conversation with them in a loving, respectful, family member type of way. And so maybe, you know, you might ask that person, hey, could I talk to you about that? Or, hey, where did this idea come from? And try to keep redirecting them towards the Bible and maybe showing them very kindly and gently, especially if it's an older person, you want to show some respect and you want to kindly and gently point them back to God's word and say, okay, you know, this idea that you have, does that come from the Bible or where does it come from? And maybe here's what the Bible does say about it. Now, I will tell you that the thing about mediums, like I was kind of like fine with everything you said until you got to like the mediums thing. Now, that here's Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27 says this, A man or woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death, right? They shall be stoned with stones. And he talks about in Deuteronomy, for example, there shall be found no one among you who makes his son or daughter pass through fire or who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spirits or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls upon the dead. So all of that to say that the idea of mediums and those who deal with, you know, or who claim to deal with, whether it's true or not, they claim to deal with the deceased or with spirits you know, disembodied spirits, these are things that um, are actually dangerous. And I would say, in this point, you might even be get moving into the realm of the demonic. So we want, I would say, sh maybe show these verses to that person very kindly when they bring it up and say, hey, you know, I think what you're describing here might be beyond the realm of, of Christianity. Now, I, I know this too as a pastor. I have dealt with a lot of people in my church who you know, they don't, they're not, they have some things which I would disagree with doctrinally. Like they believe some things which I don't agree with. And I, I believe I could make a very strong case biblically. And yet there's, there's a time also when you need to give someone room to grow and you need to give the Holy Spirit the room to do his job in their life. And that means putting the truth in front of them, but also giving them the love and grace and community that they might need to grow. I think it's particularly hard for this person because the person that they're speaking to or that they were looking to communicate with because they had questions with was it was um, a child that was murdered mm. that would be about my age now. So there's a lot of strong, I think, maternal need 
but like you said, that medium is just like a evil open window for the father of lies just to breathe right into their life, and I just think that's just yeah. so toxic and horrible, totally. and I was kind of like, oh, and then, you know, like, you kind of combine it. I mean, it's almost like um, Christianity, but with a bigger open mind about many other things, and I'm like, ah... Uh, like I don't know. Like I kind of wanted. I wanted to say things like, "Have you have you asked God?" You know, like you. you I mean, she's a Lutheran, which you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a Pentecostal, so I'm a whole lot different, you know, from the mentality of their services. And I know that we're all in one family, but I'm thinking like, you know, Lutherans are normally like pretty, pretty regimented kind of people. You know, I've been to a few right. Lutheran churches, great yeah. bell choirs, but you know, very regimented people. So. And she brings things from her church, you know, to show me every once in a while, like, hey, look, they had this at church. I thought you might be interested because, you you know, you like to read the Bible, and this was there, and I just thought you'd like to see it. And I I don't know. Well, I mean, the fact that she's know, going to church, you know, that shows that she she gives that some authority in her life. And in other words, she recognizes the authority of the scriptures. So I would just appeal to her on that level and say, hey, you know, these things you're believing in, you know, your church doesn't believe in these things your church um doesn't i mean your church believes what the bible says and the bible says that these things are not things you should mess with and maybe you know a lot of times what you can do is if there's something that's really emotionally heavy like you know having lost a son is is bring it out speak it out out it kind of takes away some of the power once it's brought up and say hey you know i i understand that you know, you you probably miss your son, and that's tragic. It's terrible what happened to him, and yet, um, you you know, this is dangerous to be missing around with mediums and the occultic stuff like that. All right. Well, I mean, I guess I'll take your advice and I'll pray about it, and God will give me a word if it's time, when it's time. And sure. I mean, my approach would not be to say just have to speak. Yeah, my approach would not be to say, hey, have you asked God about this? Because a lot of times people people ask God and they'll feel or maybe they'll justify in some way that God told them, hey, it's cool. You know, I've, I've had people tell me that, you know, um, hey, I asked God if it was okay to leave my spouse and, um, you know, abandon my family and God gave me the thumbs up. And I'm like, no, I don't think he did because his word already spoke about that. Um, so I would point her to something more objective than subjective. And the objective thing here, I think, is these verses in the Bible, especially Lutherans. You know, I grew up Lutheran, and I know that they, they definitely honor and respect the Word of God. So, um, But yeah, I pray that God gives you wisdom and how to speak to her and that God uh, uses you in her life. So God bless you, Josh. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got all open lines. It's a great time to call in with your questions about the Bible, your prayer requests, anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or receive prayer for, ask questions about. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. The text line once again seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Hey, I want to tell you about an outreach that our church does every year. It's something I'm really excited about. It's something our church has been doing longer than I've been the pastor here, actually, and it's a great outreach, and it's one that's uh, really impacting some lives. And it's also one that you guys can be 
a part of. So every November, what we do for the whole month of November, so we're starting up really soon, is uh, we do an outreach called Project Greatest Gift. And what we do with Project Greatest Gift, it all began with a family in our church who had adopted a child through foster care in Adams County here in Colorado. And then through that relationship with Adams County, they had come to find out that there's just a really big need in Colorado and actually around the country uh, to care for and help provide for children who are in the foster care system. A lot of times these children end up in these in the system because there's been drug abuse or there's been physical abuse or there's been some kind of really traumatic thing that's taken place in their family that's required them to be removed from their family by child services, child protection services. And so these children have been through a lot and they're living with people who are not their parents. Maybe they're living with an extended family member or somebody who's not related to them at all. And so what we have done as a church is we, we've kind of stepped up, and maybe you're familiar with the Operation Christmas Child program, which operates globally. But what we sought to do is, what if we could do that just for people here in our local area who then we could actually connect with individually? So over the last couple of years, this project has grown um, from you know a couple families that we were helping out to now, this year it looks like over 300, I think it's almost 350 families who we're going to be serving here in northern Colorado. And what we do is mostly in Weld County, but also Larimer, Boulder, Adams counties as well. And what we do is we ask Child Protection Services in those areas to give us the names and um, needs of people in their system. And we provide Christmas gifts for these children and for these families. We provide them with... Um, you know, provide the caretakers with the opportunity to be able to provide for some of the children because a lot of these caretakers, if they're family, they don't receive any financial compensation or anything like that from the from the child protection services for caring for extended family members. And so what we've been able to do through this is for hundreds of families here in northern Colorado, we're able to make sure that they have a good Christmas. But beyond that, we're able to go further and we're able to share the gospel with them. So we do that through putting gospel materials in these packages. And then we actually have a meeting in Greeley where we get to go and serve them dinner, present the gifts to them personally, and we get to have an ongoing relationship with them. And it's kind of blossomed from this original vision uh, into something much bigger than we ever envisioned it would be. And we've even got a summertime branch of it where we provide back-to-school gifts. You know, we've... we've looking into it and we've seen that children in the foster care system are really an at-risk people group here in our midst you know they have higher rates of pregnancy and dropout uh, teen pregnancy dropping out of high school uh, homelessness incarceration all these things so our goal is to meet these people who are really at risk where they're at provide them and bless them with Christmas gifts and share the gospel with them. And we've seen incredible fruit from it over the years. Different agencies um, like Child Protection Services in different counties have been so blessed and strengthened by it. And so if you would like to be a part of it, we are uh, reaching further than we've ever reached this year. And we'd love for you to come alongside and, and be part of that, provide for some of these families and meet these needs. If you want more information, you can check out our website. There's a uh, on our website about Project Greatest Gift. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. But probably the best way to do it would be to email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com. So 
info at whitefieldschurch.com and say, hey, I'd like more information about Project Greatest Gift and how I can get involved, and we will write you back with that information. So I'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks as well and giving you some updates on how that's going as we kick off this coming Sunday, but really looking forward to it and uh, praying that God provides for all these because, like I said, we're reaching further than we ever had before. So please pray for Project Greatest Gift and maybe uh, write us info at whitefieldschurch.com if you'd like to be involved. Let's go. We have a, another caller who asked to not be on the air, but here's his question. It's a good one. I love this uh, topic. So Mike from Maryland wants, uh, wanted to ask about the wedding feast in Matthew chapter 22. And he says, how should we interpret the identity without a wedding garment in Matthew 22? It's a great story and one that I love teaching. I've taught this passage many times uh, over the last couple of years because I love, um, love talking about this because it's such an important picture of the gospel. And so many people miss it when they read this story. They're kind of like, wow, that was just a bizarre story. And I'm not sure what it meant. So here's the story. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 through uh, looks like 11 through 12 is part of it, but the story really begins. It's verse 1 through 14 is the whole story. It's the parable of the wedding feast. And it tells the story of a king who um, prepared a wedding feast and sent his servants out to invite those who were invited, but they would not come. And then he goes out and says, hey, why wouldn't you come? They're all, oh, I'm busy. I've got other stuff going on. So finally, he invites anybody who's willing to come to come into the wedding feast. But what happens is during the feast, he notices this guy who is not wearing a wedding garment. It says the man had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. This is interesting, right? So he, he they send out these servants to go out into town and just invite anybody who's willing to come. And it says that the good and the bad, it specifies that. So good people were there. There were bad people there, but everybody was invited into this feast. And then the king singles out this one guy who's not wearing the right clothes and he has him killed. And eventually, like the story kind of alludes that the guy goes to hell as a result of not wearing the right clothes. Now, what is that a picture of? Well, to understand why this king was so upset, you know, you might say, hey, you just invited this guy in off the street. How could you expect him to be wearing the right clothes? Well, because there was actually a custom at that time that if you were invited to a party, like a, a big official type of party, like if you were invited to the house of a king, what they would do is that when you came in, they would actually gift you with garments to wear so that you can look proper. It's kind of like in some restaurants that you go to where they require, you know, like a jacket and a tie. If you show up and you're not wearing a jacket and tie, they will give you one to wear so that you fit in and you meet their dress code. And they would do this at these parties in the ancient world. If you showed up and let's say you were poor, everybody would be given a gift of garments to wear. And that was also a big equalizer, right? So you would look around, you wouldn't be able to tell who's poor and who's not or what their social standing is because everybody's wearing these gifted garments that are all the same. Now, how is this a picture of the gospel and why is this guy in trouble? Because essentially this guy came into the party and he said, I don't need your gifted garments. I don't need the clothing that you offer, the covering that you offer. My clothes are good enough. 
You see, um, you know, the Bible says that we will all stand before God. In, a, in one way, you could say all roads lead to God because everybody who is alive uh, or whoever has been alive, one day there will be a great judgment. We will all stand before God to give account. And there are three ways that you will stand before God. Either you will stand before God naked, right? And these are the pe person who stands before God naked is the person who's completely unprepared, right? This is a person who has not even given a thought to what will happen to their soul or the fact that they there's a righteous God and they are a flawed person and therefore they must do something. is a com person completely unprepared. They're naked, right? The next type of person is the person who is clothed in the robes of their own righteousness, clothed in the robes of their own righteousness, which um, we're told in Isaiah that even our best deeds, not our worst deeds, but our best deeds are like filthy rags, right? They're an unclean before God. In other words, we're like that guy standing uh, in the house of the king saying, no, 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 I'm a good enough person to get into heaven on my own merits. And God says, first of all, that is insulting that I offered you my righteousness so that you could stand in my presence and you have rejected it. But secondly, your clothes are actually not good enough. And then the third option is the option that comes through putting your faith and trust in Jesus and clinging to him and trusting in him. That's where you are clothed in the garments of his righteousness. And Isaiah talks about that. He says that you have clothed me with garments, white garments, and you know, you have it adorned me with the garments of righteousness, robes of righteousness. And that is what God offers us in Jesus. To be in Christ is to have a righteousness, Paul says, that is not my own, but that which comes through faith in Jesus because he died and resurrected. And so what that's telling us is, look, if you stand before God and you try to claim that, hey, I'm good enough in my own merits, then you will be like the man in that party who thought his clothes were good enough. Rather, what we need to do is accept the gift of the king to us, the gift of his righteousness, so we can be saved. It's a wonderful picture of the gospel, that chapter, and I hope I answered that question for you, Mike, there in Maryland. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Let's go to our next caller, Ryan in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Pastor Nick. Nice to be with you. I was actually yeah. wondering, I had a question. Palestine, they call it. Okay. Israel, it seems like, is part of the map of Palestine. And how they came up with the name Palestine, where they get that from, versus versus Israel. And it seems like in the map, in the back of the Bibles, it includes parts of Syria and also Lebanon in there, maybe Jordan. But yeah. what is this name Palestine that they're referring to versus not calling it, calling it Israel? Yeah, so the word Palestine comes from the word Philistine. Okay, the Philistines, yes. Right, and so what this is, is, you know, you can actually trace when that land began to be called Palestine. It was actually after Israel had already occupied it, and it was done really as a insult, or so to say, kind of a power play against Israel and to say this is the land of the Philistines. Now the Philistines were Canaanites who did occupy that land. Remember that there's lots of fighting going on with the Philistines, particularly in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Mm -hmm. um, right. But what that means is that the people of Israel were already in the land at that time. And so um, really Palestine, the, there's a British territory of Palestine. There, this is a a way that that land has been called historically, but I believe that we as Christians and we as 
Bible-believing people should push back against that and say, no, this is the land of Israel or the land of Canaan, which are biblical terms, rather than calling it the land of Palestine. Okay. That helps. Yeah, and so, you know, it was called Palestine at different times in history. There was a time uh, when Syria uh, ruled over that in 135 AD. You know, this is, of course, after the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jewish people end up, you know, becoming refugees throughout the world. Well, then that area was called Syrian Palestine. They had a Syrian ruler over it um, who, who did rule that area and called it Palestine. But again, the historical terms for that land are Canaan and then Israel. Yes. Okay. So I thought, I just wonder why in the Bible why they would call it topography of Palestine. Yeah, I'm, I think that's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate to be using that terminology. I would say it's anachronistic, meaning like it, it was later than Israel, and I think it's not, not quite helpful, especially when you consider Bible maps and that we're dealing with theological matters. We should, I think we should use the older terminology, uh, Canaan and Israel. Okay, that clears it up. Awesome. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and we have time for one more call. Let's go to Beth in Kersey, Colorado. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. What's up? Um, I just had a quick question reading through Genesis about the interpretation of sons of God and daughters of men in chapter 6. Oh, okay. I've two different approaches. And okay. I, I guess I was kind of confused, because there's a lot of people who I really respect that kind of lean towards it being kind of demonic fallen angels, but then the other theory I've heard is that it was the line of Seth and the line of Cain, which kind of makes sense in the context. So yeah. I was just curious what your thoughts were. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with both of those. My wife recently taught this section for our women's Bible study, and we had a lot of discussion around it. I recently just taught up at a Bible college where I taught through Genesis, and we talked through those two interpretations. But you're absolutely right. Those are the two main interpretations. Um, you know, in broader terms, even, uh, there's one point where it talks about the sons of God. You know, one interpretation isn't just that they were the, the line of Seth, but that they were just godly men who intermarried with ungodly women. Um, I'll tell you some of the difficulties inherent with it. Um, one of them is that sons of God is a term that is used um, almost exclusively to refer to angels. And clearly, there's something about these beings, right, who came into, came into being, uh, the Nephilim, so to say, which means the great ones or the mighty ones, that, that was so um, bad that God said, I need to destroy the earth to destroy these people. So there, there's kind of two things. Number one, did God destroy the earth to get rid of the Nephilim? Or was that part of it? If so, that would be a reason why he did the flood. Or was the flood purely just because the, the wickedness of people had grown upon the earth, which is what it seems to say in verse 11, that the earth was corrupt and it was filled with violence and that God saw the earth was corrupt. And so, in other words, the flood didn't have anything to do with the Nephilim. That's a big question here. Um, as far as this, one of the arguments against this idea that these are demonic you know, entities created by demons coming, like fallen angels having relations with human 
uh, women, is that some people would say, well, it says in the Bible that angels are not given in marriage. But we're not definitely not talking about marriage here, and we're definitely not talking about being in heaven, right? We're talking about uh, beings somehow being manifested and uh, giving birth to demon children, so to say. Uh, I think there's a decent case to be made for it. I don't think there's any theological reasons why we say that that couldn't be the case. But it seems to me more to fit with the narrative of the Bible that uh, this is referring to the line of Seth mixing with the line of Cain. So that's that's my take on it. Um, but I, I would say this is a very difficult uh, thing to understand. We're just not told enough here. Yeah, well, and God tells the Israelites to destroy, you know, the populations when they come into the land of Canaan. So, and those were just men after the flood, so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and really there's a big theme throughout the Bible about intermarrying with people who are not of the same faith, right? Not marrying a, an unbeliever if you're a believer. And we see that it's a theme throughout Genesis, that people actually do that, and it leads to a lot of problems. Thank you. You bet. And, and I would just say one more thing. The fact that Noah ends up being the only righteous person, so to say, would also back up that idea that there was this righteous family line and everybody except for Noah seems to have turned their back on God. That would seem to fit more with the narrative of what's being talked about. So, yeah, thanks for your call. It's a great question and a, and a hard one. So God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. We have come up on the end of our show today, and I want to thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Have a great evening, and every weekday, tune in to Calvary Live from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time here on Grace FM. God bless you, and we'll be with you again next time. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.